from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. Shalom and welcome to the final episode in the Sabbath podcast series. I've really enjoyed sharing the important role that the Jewish Sabbath plays for me on a personal level, as well as to the Jewish people as a whole. Considering this is the fifth episode, we've already discussed a lot of important ideas, including how the Sabbath reminds us that God is a creator and teaches us the meaning of true freedom in a world where we are enslaved to our work, technology, and busy schedules. We've also talked about how the Sabbath encourages us to reconnect to the people and practices and values that replenish our spiritual lives. And we explored the biblical roots and spiritual symbolism behind the Jewish commandment of lighting the Sabbath candles. If you missed those, I'm going to post a link in the notes that you could go back and listen to those podcasts. But in today's episode, I want to invite you on a journey where I will describe how the biblical commandment of the Sabbath is observed today by modern Jews around the world. Starting Friday at sundown and concluding on Saturday night, I hope to paint a picture of the different rituals and customs that set this day apart from the rest of the week, both in my family and in millions of Jewish households around the globe. As it says in Isaiah 58, 13-14, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going on your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This verse describes the Sabbath as a day of delight. I love that. But what does that day of delight look like today? I want to share with you the sights, the smells, the sounds, the feelings, the traditions, the customs, and commandments that turn just another Saturday into a true day of delight, as Isaiah called it, for my own family and for Jews around the world. First of all, it's important to know that the Sabbath day actually begins at night. In fact, according to the Jewish calendar, not only do the Sabbath and holidays begin at nightfall, but every day of the week. I know this might seem counterintuitive, but it's based directly on the Bible in the account of the creation of the world in the first chapter of the book of Genesis. You'll remember this. At the end of each day, it says, And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And then it says, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day, and so on and so forth. So did you realize that by mentioning evening before morning, the Bible is actually teaching us something? It's teaching us that the day begins in the evening, and it ends on the following evening. That's how God created the first day and the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and Shabbat. 
Each day begins at night and goes until the next night. So as we described in depth in last week's episode, every Friday evening as the sun goes down and the seventh day, the Sabbath comes in, the sacred seventh day is welcomed by lighting two Shabbat candles and reciting a traditional blessing. In most cases, this ritual is performed by women who then take this opportunity to pray for the health and welfare of their family and the world. As we discussed, the act of bringing physical light into the world at the time when the sky is darkening has tremendous symbolic value. As the world transforms into a new spiritual state and we do our part in bringing in more divine light into our homes and hearts, this light penetrates the entire world. After lighting the candles, Jews celebrate the onset of the Sabbath with a special worship service at synagogue called Kabbalat Shabbat, which literally means receiving the Sabbath. Full of beautiful poems and psalms, this prayer service is widely considered the most soulful and magical of all Jewish liturgy. It's often accompanied by a lot of singing and dancing. So the service begins with an invitation taken directly from Psalms 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. The height of the worship is a song called L'cha Dodi. During the course, we sing, let us go, my beloved, to greet the bride. Let us welcome. The Sabbath is often personified as either a bride or queen. In this song, the Jewish people are turning to God to join them in welcoming the Sabbath queen into the world. When families return home from synagogue, they sit down for a festive meal around the Shabbat table, filled with traditional prayers, songs, and foods. As we discussed at length throughout this series, in our busy modern world where families struggle to find the time for focused, distraction-free family dinners during the week, the Sabbath meals are more important than ever. In fact, the Jewish sages place tremendous value on family time. In the Talmud, it said that as long as the temple stood, the altar atoned for Israel. Now it's a person's table which atones. By comparing the table on which we eat our family meals to the altar on which the holy priest would sacrifice offerings to God in the temple of Jerusalem, the rabbis are teaching us a very deep lesson that what happens at a family meal goes far beyond taking care of our physical needs. Perhaps this can help us understand why on the Sabbath, the holiest day of the week, we are actually commanded to eat three festive meals, Friday night dinner, Saturday afternoon lunch, and a light dinner on Saturday at sunset known as Sudach Lishit, the third meal. On such a holy day, shouldn't we be spending all of our time in prayer and study? That's a question so many people ask. Why are we focused so much on our physical needs, on eating meals at the table three times in one day? Well, any traditional Jewish family will tell you that these meals are about so much more than the food. They are an opportunity to be totally present with one another without distraction, to share ideas about the weekly Torah portion, to catch up after a busy week, and of course, to enjoy delicious food by elevating it to a spiritual level with blessings and intentions. 
We set the table with a white tablecloth, the finest silverware, and a vase of fresh flowers. We clean the house top to bottom, and we get dressed in festive clothing. These little details set the Sabbath meals apart from regular weekday meals. In our family, we often have guests, either friends we haven't had for a long time or people that we just love and don't get to see during the week. We sometimes have strangers looking for a place to celebrate the Sabbath or members of our community that may be overlooked throughout the week, like widows, lone soldiers, or new immigrants. By opening our home to others in this really special and sacred time, we're reminding ourselves how important it is to welcome guests while also communicating to others that they are valued and remembered. Whereas during the week our meals are rushed or interrupted by a constant stream of dings and pings, on Shabbat we have time to share stories from our week, to sing and to discuss inspiring ideas from the scriptures. Growing up, I used to joke that our Shabbat meals were like holy therapy sessions. But you know what? It was a joke, but that's truly what it felt like. We were just unbound by the constraints of the weekdays. We had limitless time to focus on God and each other without needing to run anywhere or do anything. The Jewish sages taught that the Sabbath is a taste of the world to come. And I truly believe that this is the case. Whereas most meals are centered around the food, the Sabbath meal begins with prayers, songs, and blessings, setting a spiritual tone and sanctifying it as different from all other days. On Friday night, the meal begins with a traditional song called Shalom Aleichem, which literally means may peace be upon you. According to Talmudic teachings, two angels accompany us home from synagogue on Friday night to see whether or not the house has been adequately prepared for the Sabbath. This hymn is a greeting and blessing to those angels. Afterwards, families traditionally sing A Woman of Valor, a song based on the words from Proverbs 31 that celebrates the virtues of a woman of the house and acknowledges all the hard work that goes into maintaining a home. It's also a love song between us, God's children, and God. Finally, my husband and I bless each of our children individually, from oldest to youngest, and it's a beautiful time that we are connecting to each one of our kids, putting God's focus, God's glory through us, the parents, onto our children. It's a Jewish tradition to recite the priestly blessing over one's children while laying our hands on each one of their heads. And so this is exactly what we do. And it's one of the most treasured moments of the week. It's a time that we can make sure as parents to make sure that every child feels noticed, cared for, and loved. And we do that by praying over them, which is very symbolic. Finally, before we eat all of the delicious food that we already prepared, we recite the Kiddush blessing over a cup of wine, which sanctifies this day, this Shabbat day, as sacred. We remember God as the creator of the world, as well as the one who took the Jewish people out of Egypt and established the Sabbath as an eternal symbol of the covenant between himself and the Jewish people. Afterwards, we do the ritual washing of the hands, and only then do we get to the food. We make a blessing over the special Sabbath bread, which you might know as challah, using two loaves, 
to signify the double portion of the miraculous manna that the Israelites received from the heavens before the Sabbath as they wandered in the desert for 40 years. I try to bake my own challah every single week, just as my mother always did, and she taught me how to do it. The smell of homemade challah filling the house before the Shabbat creates a really exciting time for the holy day ahead. We smell it all day. We watch it rise. We work so hard kneading it and grating it. And then the first bite of freshly baked and freshly blessed challah bread is something that we really look forward to all week. The meal itself is far more lavish than any regular weekday dinner, with several courses, often including soup and fish, sometimes meat, salads, dessert, and more. Shabbat meals are kind of a big deal. When preparing for the Sabbath, I put so much extra love and energy and prayer intention into the food, and everyone in my family agrees that you can always taste the difference. But as I said, the Sabbath meals are not simply about the food. These Friday night dinners are our time to catch up about our week, to share ideas about the weekly Torah portion, and to hear what our children have learned in school. In between courses, we sing traditional Sabbath songs, some of which are hundreds of years old. It's a time to listen to one another and to look at each other in the eyes. No one is rushing through the meal to get to any other activity or to watch TV. We are able to fully bask in each other's presence as well as the palpable presence of God at our Sabbath table. We finish the meal with grace after meals, expressing gratitude to God for the abundance that he has bestowed upon us. Why do we say the grace after meals? Well, you might remember from the Bible that it says, Ve'achalta, ve'savata, uve'rachta. In the Bible, it says, I ate, I was satiated, and I blessed for the food. Sometimes it's easier to bless before the food when we're very hungry. But after when we're full, we could easily forget about God. So we specifically, according to the Bible, say grace after meals. That even when we're full and satiated, we make sure God knows we are thanking him then too. Then is Saturday, the Shabbat day. It's spent in prayer, study, rest, and connection with others. In the morning, we go to prayer services at the synagogue, including reading the weekly Torah portion from the Bible. Many synagogues also have special children's worship programs to create a welcoming space for families and to teach children the importance of being part of a faith community from a young age. Following the services, many synagogues host a light communal meal, also called a kiddush, where friends have time to connect, mingle, and build community centered around prayer and words of Torah. You know, I always think about this, how the Bible says, raise a child in his ways, and when he is old, he will not part for it. The way that we raise them in God's ways is through repetition, through every single week doing the same things of prayer, connecting, community, family. That's how we do it, that they won't part from it. After we finish this spiritual morning centered around words of Torah and prayer, families go home to enjoy the second festive Sabbath meal, often with guests. Just like Friday night dinner, this meal includes a ritual blessing over the wine and bread, along with the feast, singing, and words of Torah. 
The afternoon is a time for rest and leisure, a time to invest in all of the things that we simply do not have time for throughout the week, whether that be talking with friends and family, playing games with our children, taking a nap, studying Torah, or just going for a walk. One of my favorite things about the Shabbat afternoon is how casually people just pop by to say hello. Whereas throughout the week, we struggle to make plans and coordinate schedules on Shabbat, we can simply knock on the door of a friend and ask them if it's a good time to share a cup of tea in conversation. Everyone is always so happy to have someone pop by on Shabbat, even unplanned. And that's something that's really lacking in the busy grind of life. Without the distractions of technology or the so-called freedom of being able to jump in the car and run off to one activity or another, we have permission to simply be with one another. As I've said many times before, I love how Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel refers to the Sabbath as an island in time. It's a slow-paced, people-focused, and God-honoring time so different from the rest of the week. It gives us the opportunity to recalibrate and focus on what is truly important so that we can live meaningful, purposeful lives. Another incredible aspect of the Sabbath is knowing that this is not just something happening in our own home, but it connects us to others because we know that everyone in our community and Jews around the world are partaking in the same rituals, the same prayers, and they've been doing this for thousands of years. We're connected to our ancestors of generations going back to Mount Sinai and other people, our brothers and sisters around the world. In fact, there are many towns in Israel today where the gates are closed to cars. There's no public transportation. All the stores are closed because they want it to really feel like Shabbat, like the Sabbath. It is otherworldly to experience a community-wide pause to the hustle and bustle. There's such a special atmosphere as families walk through the streets in their beautiful Shabbat clothes, children play freely, and the honking of cars is replaced by the sweet sounds of Sabbath songs and prayers drifting from open windows of homes and synagogues. As the holy day draws to a close, we return to our sacred family table one last time for Sudat Shlishi, the third meal of the Sabbath. This is a very special and bittersweet time of the week. On a spiritual level, it marks the peak of our closeness with God after a full day spent replenishing our souls. But as the sun begins to set, we are also preparing for the Sabbath to leave us, and we know that we'll have to return to the regular pace of our busy lives. Especially after the large meals of the day, this meal is often focused on soulful songs and praise of God and the holiness of the Sabbath in an effort to stretch out the beauty of the day for as long as possible. Once the sky has darkened and the stars have come out, the Sabbath is officially over. But we can't simply jump from the spiritual high of the Sabbath back into the week. First, we perform the Havdalah ceremony, a ritual that marks the transition of the holiness of the Sabbath back into the mundane of the week with blessings over a candle, aromatic spices, and wine. Afterwards, many families partake in yet another meal called the Malava Malka, which literally means escorting the queen. With food and song, we send the Sabbath off with joy and gratitude while bringing the holy energy of the Sabbath into the new week. 
as I hope I've managed to describe to you throughout this final episode of the series, the Sabbath is truly a day unlike any other, especially in our fast-paced modern world where we are pulled in so many directions due to busy schedules and the distraction of technology, the ancient rituals of the biblical Sabbath are more important than ever. Today's families need to come together to talk, to laugh, and simply be present with one another. Today's children need to be blessed by their parents. Today's communities need to open up their homes to one another and participate in shared worship. And every individual today needs the opportunity to unplug, refresh, and focus on what truly matters in life, which is the people, the prayer, and the relationship with God. So regardless of whether you celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday or Sunday or not at all, I really encourage you to think of the lessons from the Sabbath that are relevant to everyone. And you could think about what practices you can introduce into your day or week to give yourself the gifts of the Sabbath. Maybe you and your family can designate one meal a week that is strictly family time. As a family, prepare for that dinner by using your finest china. Have family members dress in their best clothes and make sure all electronics are turned off. Spend that time with each other and really listen to one another. Be sure that each family member has a time to say, to speak, to be heard. Or you can set aside one meal each week to invite a special guest or guests for a meal. Maybe it's a family who just moved into the neighborhood. Or you can invite a family from church who you don't know very well, or some very close friends who you don't have enough time with. Figuring out your personal and spiritual priorities and then making time for them is definitely not easy, but the blessings that it will bring into your life are worth all the effort. Sometimes by the time Friday rolls around, I'm so exhausted from a busy week that I can't imagine finding the energy for the cooking, cleaning, and spiritual effort that it will take to truly make this day special, but somehow it always works out and is always worth it. I make Shabbat my priority, my red line, something that I do whether I feel it or not. And then it always ends up happening and being beautiful. I pray that each one of us will have the opportunity to feel truly held and inspired by the beautiful power of the Sabbath, each in our own way. It will not only transform your day, but your life, your relationship with God, your family dynamic, and the rest of the week. As the Jewish philosopher Achad Ha'am famously wrote, more than the Jews have kept the Sabbath, the Sabbath has kept the Jews. Through the long and tumultuous history of the Jewish people, the wanderings, exiles, and persecutions, we have never let go of the Sabbath. It's a weekly reminder that life is about connecting with God, our families, friends, communities, and ultimately about making the world a better place. Moreover, the Sabbath recalls that God is the creator and master over the world, keeping our human role in proper perspective. It reminds us that we only achieve true freedom when we devote our lives to the service of something bigger than ourselves. Shavua Tov, my friends. Have a good week, and thank you so much for joining me throughout the Sabbath series. Come back next week as we start a new series on Hanukkah, a season of light and miracles. Shalom. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. 
If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.